Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I am bringing you today's word for September 28th, 2020. I'm teaching a series entitled Greater is Coming. And I don't know if you know that or not. If you've been watching today's word, you know. But if you're new to today's word and you don't know, you don't really realize that greater is coming for you, I want you to listen. I want you to open up your heart to receive what God is saying. God made plans for you before the foundations of the world, and now he wants to manifest those plans in your life. He wants to reveal to you what was concealed from you but prepared for you, and then he wants to prepare you for what he already prepared. And now, as you walk out your life, as you're led of the Holy Spirit, you, God's plans for your life actually unfold right before your very eyes. Greater is coming for you. Uh, uh, so this is part 34 of the series, and the title of today's message is... Every attack against you shall fail. And this is funny because of what happened to me this morning with the technical difficulties. But listen, the title of today's message is every attack against you shall fail. Let's talk about it. I'm going to cover today 1 Samuel chapter 18. We've been studying the life of David. And this is 1 Samuel chapter 18 verses 17 through 27. So there's a lot to cover there. So let me tell you the story. In our last message, we saw that Saul... <laughs> kept trying to kill David, right? So after he couldn't do it with the javelin, with the spear, he was like, okay, let me send him out on combat missions. And as he went out on combat missions, the plan failed because David was succeeding with mission after mission after mission. And the more combat missions David led and was successful in, the more popular he became with the people. So then Saul said to David, okay, he's like, man, what am I going to do with this kid? He says, okay, I'm ready to give you my older daughter, Mirab, as your wife. But first, you must prove yourself to be a real warrior and fight the Lord's battles. Now, this is ridiculous. It's, 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 it's wrong, it's flat out wrong. First of all, remember that Saul had already promised to give his daughter to whoever killed Goliath. Obviously, David did that. And then, what, what do you mean he has to prove himself in battle? He just did it. Not only did he kill the giant that nobody was willing to fight, but he killed Lots of people in battle after battle after battle. He killed the, the tallest, the meanest, the most terrifying, you know, giant. And then all these enemies that were rising up against Israel, he proved himself. To say that he needed to prove himself now was ridiculous. The point is that some people will attack you and some people are going to be like, like Saul, conniving and calculating and underhanded. You know, I mean, there's just some people that have ulterior motives. But God is always, God is your defense. God is always going to shield and protect you from all harm. And what's really amazing about the story is that David, although Saul was attacking him, David remained humble and David wouldn't do anything to Saul. And he was so humble that he says this to Saul when Saul was like, marry my oldest daughter, Merab. David said, listen, Mr. King, I'm sorry. I don't know, but who am I? Like, I mean, like who, my family in Israel, you know, I'm, I'm a nobody. I can't be your son-in-law, really, I'm, I'm not worthy to marry your daughter. And this particular offer didn't matter because Saul reneged anyway. Saul then gave his daughter Merab to somebody named Adriel 
uh, a metholite. And so anyway, he reneged on the offer. But while that happened, David's popularity kept growing. And while that happened, Saul's other daughter, Michael, actually, actually fell in love with David. And when Saul found out that Michael fell in love with David, at first he was upset about it. But then he thought about it. He said, oh, I mean, look how conniving this joker was. Look, th this is what the Bible says. Saul thought in his mind when his daughter Michael fell in love with David. Saul thought in his mind, ah, I have a second chance. I will use Michael as bait to get David out where the Philistines can kill him. Now, I mean, how conniving do you need to be to use your own daughter as bait? He says, I'm going to use Michael as bait to get him out there so that the Philistines can kill him. And so Saul says to David, listen, come here, David, you are going to be my son-in-law. And so because he didn't uh, really accept the first offer, he says, I want you to, to marry Michael. And once again, David was like, uh, I don't know. So then Saul went and got, got his, his staff and said, listen, get David off by himself. And I want you to say this. This is how conniving this joker was. He says, I want you to say, listen, the king likes you a lot. Everyone in the king's court loves you. Please go ahead and marry Michael, the daughter, so that you can be the king's son-in-law. And so they say that. And then David says, listen, man, I, I hear what you guys are saying. Once again, he's so humble. He said, but I, really, I can't see myself marrying the king's daughter. I don't have nothing to offer. Like, you know, this is, you're supposed to come with all these gifts and I don't have no money. And so then Saul said, oh, okay, well, if money is the issue, go tell David this. Go tell David, the king is not expecting any money from you. All he wants from you as payment for his daughter is to go out there and kill a hundred Philistines. If you kill a hundred Philistines and bring back evidence then you'll be able to marry the king's daughter. And David was like, oh, finally. He says, now listen, I don't have no money, but I can kill some people. <laughs> I don't have no problem doing that. So I don't have no money, but you want me to kill the enemy? Fine. He grabbed his men. They went out there. They killed a hundred Philistines and brought back evidence and brought it to the king. And then the king was like, man, this joke, there's nothing I can do. Nothing I come up with is able to destroy this guy. Every attack that I have against David keeps failing. And then he wound up marrying Michael. So what does this mean? For you today on this Monday morning. I know we got started late, but what does this mean to you today as I release you into this week? I have five quick things to share with you on this morning. And as I share these things, I want you to open up your heart, rid yourself of every distraction and open up your heart to hear what God is saying. Five things. Number one, here we go. If the devil knew any better, he would leave you alone. Let me tell you something. If the devil knew any better, he would leave you alone. In the New Testament, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I love it. Paul says, had the princes of this world known what they were doing, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. See, when, they, when Jesus was going to the cross, Satan and his imps were celebrating. They were having a, a party. They thought they were winning, but they were losing. When the first drop of blood of Jesus hit the ground, it sealed their fate and it sealed it forever. If they had known any better, they would have not done that to Jesus. If they had known any better, they would leave you alone. Saul attacked David over and over and over again. And the more he attacked him, the greater David got. The more he attacked him, the greater the fame went out. The more, the more fans David had. His daughter even wound up falling in love with David. See, God routinely uses Satan's attacks 
to backfire against him. If the net, if the enemy knew any better, he would leave you alone. The more he messes with you, the stronger you get. And I'm saying with David, every time the enemy would come, every time Saul was trying to attack him, what would happen as a result? David will experience acceleration, promotion, advancement, increase. And that's how it is with you. If the devil knew any better, he would leave you alone. The more he messes with you, you are going to experience advancement, acceleration, promotion, increase, favor. Say amen to that. But remember, the only way you can lose is if you quit. But there's no quit in you. All right, number two, vengeance and recompense belong to the Lord. This is actually something I learned a long time ago. I never try to get anybody back. Vengeance and recompense belong to the Lord. One of the things that David didn't bother himself with, that I don't bother myself with, is trying to get anybody back. You know why? Because of two things that I've learned. One, their attacks are not going to harm, harm me, right? Their poison can't stop my purpose. And then number two, they're going to reap whatever they sow. At the end of the day, that's between them and God. I don't need to get them back because believe me, if they keep sowing bad seed, they're going to get a bad harvest. In the New Testament, Paul said this. Paul was quoting Leviticus when he said, this is Romans 12 and 19, but he's quoting Leviticus 19 and 18. Paul said, dear friends, never take revenge. Look at me. You want to be who it is that God has called you to be? You want to focus on your purpose? You don't have time to be trying to take good energy on bad things. Stop. Paul says, never take revenge. Lead that to our righteous God. For the scripture says, the Lord said, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, right? So the Lord is going to see to it. So you don't have to worry about it. David could have easily gotten tired of Saul and been like, forget you. I'm about to get you now, but he didn't do it. He didn't try to get people back. Don't try to get people back. Vengeance and recompense belong to the Lord. And when the Lord gets them back, <laughs> he's going to get them back a lot better than you ever could. Saul eventually received the negative harvest on the negative seed that he was sowing. Listen, if, and David came out unscathed. If people are coming up against you, believe me, they're going to get what, what's coming to them. They are going to reap what they are sowing and they're not going to be able to harm you. So you just pray for them and keep stepping. Say amen to that. All right. Number three, Becoming the person God has called you to be requires divine patience. This series is about faith and patience, right? So it's, it's not going to happen overnight. I like to say that God can make you an overnight success. And when it happens, people are like, oh my God, did you see Johnny? Did you see Sally? Did you see Susie? Boom, overnight success. Yeah, God can make you an overnight success after 20 or 30 years of preparation. <laughs> so, so, so it's not going to happen overnight. David knew that he was anointed to be Saul's replacement. But he also knew that he had, he had to exercise divine patience while this man was senselessly attacking him over and over and over again. He was just waiting on God's timing. And I keep making this point that you have to wait on God's timing, that you have to be patient. I keep made, making this point for two reasons. Number one, because it's ministering to me. Like I need to hear it. Rick Pena, this thing is ministering to me. I'm waiting on something that I've been waiting on for years. And so I have to keep reminding myself that greater is coming. I have to keep reminding myself to never give up, to never cave in, to never quit. So it's ministering to me. And then second, I know it's ministering to you. I know you need to hear it too. The greater the promise the longer the time of preparation. Let me say that again. The greater the promise, the longer the time of preparation. God is preparing you and it's taking a long time. You know why? Because the promise is huge. Because if it came quickly, let me just say it this way. If the blessing comes fast, then it's not that big. <laughs> if the blessing comes fast, then it's not that big. When, when, when there's some stuff that God wants to give you that, yeah, it's going to take some preparation because God is preparing you for what he already prepared for you 
Say amen to that. All right. Number four, use what you have and don't focus on what you don't have. While you're waiting on God, just you listen. David was like, I don't have no money. It was like, well, go out and kill some people. Oh, I got that. So what you don't want to do is while you're waiting on God, you don't want to focus on what you do not have because that's not going to be productive. At the end of the day, you just focus on what you have. Now, if you focus on what you have and not what you do not have, then God can use what you have to get what you do not have. Uh, I'm reminded of the, the little two-piece fish dinner. Remember, two, two fish and five loaves of bread fed 5,000. You know why? Because Jesus didn't focus on what he did not have. He focused on what he had. And it depends on whose hands it's in. The little, the two uh, fish and five loaves of bread was like a two-piece dinner in the little boy's hands. But once he put it in Jesus's hands, once you put something in God's hands, even though it looks small to you, boom, God can multiply it. Let me say something about sowing and reaping in this point, and then I'll move on. There's a seed for every need. If you're standing in need of something, then maybe you don't have the harvest, but you have the seed. God is going to see to it that you have the seed. So take what you have that doesn't look like it's enough. If, it, if it's not enough, it's not the harvest, it's the seed. So take the seed and put it in God's hands. And I'm telling you, once you put your seed in God's hands, God can multiply it and you will always have more than enough. Say amen to that. All right, number five and finally, last point for today. No one can stop you when you are walking out your divine purpose. Saul could not stop David. He was a king and he couldn't do it. Scheme after scheme, plot after plot, attack after, after the attack. Every attack of the enemy failed against David. Every attack of the enemy is going to fail against you. Why? Because the grace of God is on you. As long as you are walking under God's grace and you are being led of the Holy Spirit, you will have a hedge of protection round about you. God will give his angels. You will give your angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Read Psalms 91. In your pathway is life and there is no death. No evil shall befall you. Neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. A thousand can fall at your side, even 10,000 at your right hand, but it's not going to happen to you. Only with your eyes shall you see the reward of the wicked. Why? Because you have made the Lord, even the most high, your habitation. You dwell in God's presence and you dwell with the hedge of protection round about you. God has given his angels charge over you so you can rest in his protection. And once you know that you're protected by God, then it gives you a boldness to do whatever it is that God has called you to do. David knew that he was protected by God, so he went out there and killed a hundred Philistines. When you know that you're protected by God, you will look past problems, you will focus on the problem, uh, on the promise, and you will not be moved by anything that the enemy does uh, to you, against you. Why? Because you know that the attacks will not succeed. God is on you and in you and with you and for you. Say amen to that. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. Let me, before I do, let me just say this real quick. I just feel led to say this. Don't focus on them. Look at me. I don't want you to focus on them. Focus on God. Yes, there's people that are coming up against you. They can't hurt you. They can't harm you. Their attacks will fail. Don't focus on them. Focus on God. You got it? All right, let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. There's a blessing waiting for you on the other side of the challenge. You ready? Say this. Say, Father, you will see to it that I reap a harvest on every seed sown. You will also see to it that others reap a harvest on the seeds they are sowing. Therefore, I don't have to seek revenge. When people rise up against me, sowing bad seed, I know two things. First, I know their attacks will fail because you have a hedge of protection around me. Second, I know that you will see to it 
that they get a bad harvest on that bad seed. So I don't have to go after them. Vengeance and recompense belong to you. I declare that every plot, plan, design, tactic, scheme, and strategy of the enemy against me is doomed to failure. I am covered by your blood. No curse, no hex, no spell, no vex has any power over me. I am filled with your spirit. I am called to my purpose and I'm protected by your angels. Therefore, I boldly declare that greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. This is today's word. Please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, go to todaysword.org, click on the subscribe button, put in your email address, and you're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Listen, it's a Monday morning. We just set the tone for the whole week by letting you know that every attack against you is going to fail. Every attack of the enemy is going to fail. God has never lost a battle and he never will. God is, God is with you and he has a hedge of protection round about you. Look up and not down. Look forward and not backward. The best is yet to come. Greater is coming for you. If this message has been a blessing to, to you, leave me some comments in the chat and then share this message on your social media, on your timeline and with your friends. I love you and God loves you more. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you.